0: Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm DP City with my good friends, Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty. How's it going, you guys? Not the quiet offseason that we're used to. Not at all. Not at this point. Mark
1: always jokes about how this time of year is called the desert because at the end of the OTAs until the start of training camp and a mini camp, start of training camp, there's not much going on. You don't see the players. There's no practice to cover. So, hence, there's not a lot of news. So... We kind of stockpile a lot of content and sort of pick the carcass clean in that regard. Well, that hasn't happened so far. No, this is more like rice paddies
2: in Southeast Asia. This is not the desert, okay? This is definitely active. Not really active right now. Maybe that's not the right word, but it was about a week and a half ago, and it's resulted in a lot of conversation, and I get it.
0: Yeah, and I think there's... Probably more that's going to come in the next few weeks, but we don't know what it is. We don't know when it's going to happen, but here's what we do know. Uh-huh. The Texans are currently without um, a general manager. Yes. Chris Olson is acting, and that's been in the news sort of locally, more so than nationally, and we'll get to, to that in a little yeah. bit with the national media saying about the Houston Texans. But for right now, um, th- there are a lot of different people speculating on what the Texans are going to do, and I was going to ask you about the MMQB article I don't know if you guys had mm-hmm. read, what Albert Breer had wrote, written, had wrote. Uh, he said the Texans are sticking with the status quo, and they're going to have director of player personnel Matt Basergan running the pro scouting side, and college scouting director James Lippert is going to run the college side, and both are going to report to Coach Bill O'Brien. Now, none of that has been announced formally, so I don't know if that's speculation or he's hearing things, but I want to get your thoughts on that and what you think might happen. I don't really if uh,
2: That could happen, I suppose. That's
0: always an option, I guess, just to go status quo with what you have right now.
2: Well, and, and I don't know. Is that really status quo if it's brand new based on what you were doing up until a week and a half ago? So we'll see if that's the case. I, I think, and I said, I used the metaphor last night about the restaurant. You know, I've got a lot of feedback on that. Some of it What is your restaurant
0: positive. metaphor? I've heard my, of this. My
2: restaurant metaphor is some people on the outside act as if, you're about to serve dinner and there are no cooks in the kitchen because one cook was removed, but there are plenty of cooks in the kitchen, and there's a team of, of chefs, as a matter of fact, and plenty of food, and we're gonna serve the meal and it's gonna be good. You know, I hope it's really good, but a meal will be served. The question is, how do they put it all together? How do they put this team together? Is Breer right about that? I don't know. It's all about Cal McNair, what he decides is going to be right for this franchise moving forward. And I really think they're processing. I think that's a good word, you know. They said they evaluated. Leading up to the dismissal of Brian, game right now they're processing based on the fact that. They couldn't interview Nick Casario because of whatever was going on in his contract with the Patriots. So they are where they are. And where they are tomorrow, I don't know. But right now, this is it. And they can do business like this. I don't know if they'd want to go through a draft like this, but they could certainly do business in June, July, whatever like this. And we'll see where it goes from here.
1: Both those guys, Bazrigan and Lifford are razor sharp. They've been around for a while, uh, not with the Texans so much, but in the NFL, Bazrigan with the Jets, Lifford with the Patriots, so they know what's going on. And, and all the guys underneath them, it's a lot like Mark's analogy. You talk about a restaurant. Yep. Well, it's like if a restaurant lost its general manager. Right. It's still going to function. You still have cooks and waiters and everybody else going about their job, doing their business. Those guys, it's like a mechanism. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that just keeps going on and doing what it has to do. The scouts... Half the Scouts don't even live in Houston; they live kind of in their territories. You know one guy lives in Austin and he covers sort of the whole South and the state of Texas. Another guy lives up in Seattle, covers the Northwest. I mean those guys are going to go about their business like they always have. the pro side guys the same thing, so it's something that you can function with if this is indeed the case, and it might not be mm-hmm. you know it's it It makes sense what Breer is saying wouldn't stun me if that's what happens, but you can function like that for a little bit maybe even longer, and it's something that I could see happening.
2: You know, people ask, well, can Bill O'Brien handle everything? If it is indeed the case that he's going to handle that part of it, those guys would report to him. But to Drew's point – they'll have enough guys to handle all those jobs and maybe he just makes decisions on certain things you have chris olsen like you said and look, he's the
0: I, one guy we did that albert rear didn't even mention and he's I, been I instrumental mentioned- he's been instrumental in the cap space yeah. situation I, yeah. mean, and, and all, too, right, I mean they would all contracts too right they would
2: all go to him on a contract situation can we fit this guy in or can we not or what, what is the cap situation what's the financial implication what about negotiating all of that, and he is listed as acting general manager right right now. And I would love to have him speak to the media, not because I think that he's in control, but I think that I would love to hear his voice on the air a lot because of that Jersey accent. I want to get Chris Olsen
0: on the
1: (laughs)
2: air on the show. Uh, He's one of the funnier (laughs) members of this entire organization. He's got a very nice dry sense of humor. Yeah, he's he's funny. He does, and he's super sharp. I mean, he is razor sharp. And I'd love to uh, hear what he has to say. Anyway, but the point is this: they got enough guys in place. Cal hasn't made any announcements, and we'll find out what he does. And I think I get it that a lot of people out there speculate because they don't have information coming from the franchise. Natural. These are reports coming from other sources, if you will. So I just believe that everybody's got to sort of stay put. We got a good team. To Drews eternal point that number four is on this roster and you've got a quarterback you've got a going concern here in the NFL let's just see no what matter happens. what happens
1: Brian Gain was not going to play quarterback this season Bill O'Brien <laughs> really is not going to play quarterback okay. this season Nick Casario is not going to play quarterback yeah. this season the guy that you want playing quarterback is suiting up number four is going to be ready to rock it's year number three who knows what he's learned how he's progressed just alone uh, on the mental side not to mention all the other things that have gotten better around him health-wise, weapons-wise, and I think the offensive line is going to play better too. So I can't wait to see what happens.
0: You know, Drew should get these little bracelets made, but who's your quarterback? Yeah. You just wear them around <laughs> whenever you go through a stressful situation. Well, say, I do think who's, it is.
1: I mean, who's your quarterback? it's understandable. That with it's, all a good, this it's a good point. I understand why there is angst. It, it's very, very understandable when you lose the top uh, decision-maker in the organization, but you got to remember – That's still not the guy who is the most influential on game day. And you still got that guy and he's looking like he's going to be yeah, better than ever. You have ever.
2: those guys really who are the most yeah. influential. You have coach, you have quarterback, you have other brain trust members and as far as making the the top decision maker, I think that's definitely Cal. And I think a lot of other things were done collectively anyway, but you know, clearly Brian Kelly yeah, has the had a role of, of course, general yeah, manager and yeah. having football operations under him, but there are a lot of, there's a team of over 20 people involved with football operations and those guys are still here.
1: Now, I'm not diminishing those people, but I think right. they would all tell you and they would all agree with what I'm saying about Watson. you know, oh, I think, sure. I think they all recognize the the, the structure. What have
2: we yearned for long for <laughs> all these years? A quarterback, you have one. And not that there were doubts going into last year about him, but he was coming off the knee injury. Mm-hmm. So let's see how it goes. Remember preseason game one at Kansas City through four passes. Like, okay, that's good. Get him out. And I'll still be saying that against Green Bay probably. Right. But the point is when we just saw him stand up and exit a game mobile, we were happy with that. And now you saw him go through that rough season physically but come out on top and lead the team to 11 victories. Let's go in 2019 and see what happens. All right. Also
0: going on right now, you said that it's the desert. It's not quite the desert around here just yet because we do have players – in the building, that's Damn. the rookies. I know Drew mm-hmm. wrote about it on HoustonTexans.com. Uh, what's next for the rookies? They're here for another week or so before and they depart longer, for their offseason. I mean, it depends they on the may rookie, not go anywhere. Not Who too knows? many
1: of them are going to leave. If they leave, it's for like the weekend or a long weekend to see family. But most of these guys, if not all of them, are staying right here getting indoctrinated into the program and lifting weights and, and staying on the, the nutrition plan that they've got. Well,
2: Gillespie lives in Katy, so he doesn't have to go <laughs> yeah, far. He I, actually, down yeah. I
0: actually met him today in the cafe. And yeah. I introduced myself to him because, uh, you know, we're going to be seeing these guys a lot. But during rookie mini camp, during OTAs, we don't really have a chance to get to talk to the players. But it's kind of awkward because you're writing stories about them. Yeah. And uh, I'm also sharing their Twitter on likes and stuff. So I feel like I should at least let them know, hey, I'm the person that takes your tweets and Puts them on Twitter for everyone you know, else to the, see.
2: This is an easy class to root for. They've got a lot of charisma. And, uh, look, you want to see it on game day on the field, those results. But Gillaspie, Sharpie, these guys seem like old souls in a way. Titus Howard. Alex you know, O'Menohu, too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they yeah. really – it seems like a really good group of guys. And, you know, I know it sounds kind of cliche to say that, but, but it is. So let's just see how it works out. Uh, you know, O'Brien asked about them on the podium on the at the podium he was asked about them consistently obviously during the OTA period and he would say stuff like you know, they got a long way to go good guys they got a long way to go he doesn't want to give them anything right now and i get it because they got to fit in they got to make the team i mean, yeah, know, they still have the high school lockers i guess <laughs> <They're>,
0: they haven't <laughs> even put on the pads yet so yeah. that's that's still to come uh, also the veterans we've seen a few veterans around sure. the building as well mm-hmm. the guys that are rehabbing uh you know who want to stay here and train jj uh, J. watt is very active as well. I know he's in Houston because he tweeted about it this morning. And oh, I, this was good. This this brought up a question for me. Hold on. Let me let me find the tweet for you. Okay. okay he said, when I grew up in Wisconsin, if the weather was going to be 85 degrees, we basically had a statewide heat emergency. Today, I <laughs> caught myself looking at the weather forecast and thinking, oh, nice. The high is only going to be 95 today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's getting
0: closer. He's, he's a Houston. Uh, this is when I go back to Indianapolis and visit my family when it's in the low 80s. On the news, they start telling you to drink more water, stay out of the sun, huh. and I just laugh.
2: Here, the women put on boots when it's low they 80s. Also, I was going to say <laughs>
0: they, they also laugh here when we get out our jackets when it's 60 yeah, the and first uh,
2: cold boots. front that pushes 60, it 60, 60, the 60, the 70s. You see UGGs,
1: yeah, you see the UGGs Uggs the are coming
0: yeah. out. The the, the mm-hmm. scarves are coming out. Uh, that's used. also uh, JJ also tweeted about Whataburger the other yay, day as he wants well. To
1: save water if he starts says. Start saying fixing two and y'all. I mean, he's is almost that the there. true test? Yeah, he's almost there.
2: What he- a burger! By the way, I think that the new people are really into the Texas culture, so they're going to do what they can to yeah. preserve that. They know what it's all about. They're trying to do that. That's but why they bought it, bought yeah. it. I <laughs> love that because it remind the. I had the reverse when I was in Michigan when it was around zero for a couple of weeks, and then one day it was twenty degrees, and I walked out of my house and I said, "Oh, it feels warmer today." It's all relative. Twenty Gross. felt warm. So And now I'm such a Texan. I mean, I love I the heat. I'm like, bring it on.
0: Well, you'll get to experience plenty of it during training camp. Yeah, I know. So we're, we're back. I don't want to. I don't want to hear any complaint. I will we're not back. complain about the heat. I think I'm. I've lived more.
2: You're of not, my, allowed <laughs> not allowed to.
0: Do- I've lived more of my adult life in Houston than I have in Indianapolis. So I think I'm officially. You're the only
2: person that's happy that the te- well, other than all the fans that get to attend the fans. Camp, I'm happy that. for the fans
0: as well. Yeah. I'm happy for myself and the fans. Uh-huh. But I'm happy that we're back in Houston and it just. I don't know. I feel like we're so much more connected.
2: It's Being true. here. It's, there's, there's no question about it. We tried our best, and I think we did a pretty good job bringing Houston with us. Not that Houston that's the purpose us, of camp, but or yeah. Well bringing the Greenbrier to Houston through our digital, social, TV, radio channels. We did our best, but it's not the same. Being back is going to be really cool for the fans, for everybody in Houston. But we will
0: be in Green Bay for a week, so that'll be good for JJ. It's
2: really more like a few days, but whatever. Well, less
0: than a week for It'll joint cool. practices and uh, the preseason game. All right, mm. we've got more coming up in this show. We're going to hear from uh drew sat down with bradley Roby. Mm -hmm. he'll be coming up later on in the show mark and johnny sat down with wide receiver steven mitchell and i had a chance to talk to mike parson director of equipment services uh we'll get uh to know a lot of a little bit about his job i've got a podcast going up later on in that but next what are the national media networks saying about the houston texans what they are saying and what they're not saying it's going to surprise you that's all coming up on texans all access don't go anywhere Welcome back Texans All Access, uh, another fine segment. The national media always talking about NFL whether it's the off season or it's in season. And Mark told me about this. Uh, ESPN Was it ESPN that did well, this five in and five out?
2: That was ESPN NFL Live, and they have the Texans out of the playoffs, by the way. So
0: it's the five teams that are now in the playoffs that weren't last yeah, year they were or going, any and, five?
2: and I just caught a little bit of it. They were going over teams that are likely to be back, teams that are not going to be back in their estimation, their prediction, and whatever, fine, you can predict whatever you want to predict. But they didn't mention the GM situation, because I'm thinking all these national shows are going to be talking about this incessantly. No, they pretty much just go with on-field stuff. You know, off-field stuff when it's dramatic and interesting, uh but to them it's just not that interesting. So who's in or who's out of the playoffs is far more interesting from a national content standpoint and that's what they're focusing on. The other one was NFL Network because they had teams that have not won the Lombardi Trophy whose drought might end. And the Texans were third in Terrell Davis' chart. Yeah, they were behind the Chargers and the Vikings. And Max Starks, the former tackle for the Steelers, he's now a commentator on NFL Network, if people didn't know. And he had the Chargers first as well. And I thought, that's not a bad pick, the Chargers, based on the fact of what they did last year. And their quarterback. Quarterback. They won a playoff game on the road. Rivers has been there before in a lot of postseason mix And if they stay healthy, they got a shot to do some things in the postseason. That's not a bad pick, but I do like that somebody picked the Texans right there uh, along with the Chargers and the Vikings. I'm a little surprised over over the Vikings. However, maybe I shouldn't be because I think Gary Kubiak's influence on that offense is going to be really good. You still have Mike Zimmer as the head coach. Uh, I know some of the talent has changed over for sure. I don't have a ton of faith in Kirk Cousins, but I think that Kubiak with Cousins could be a pretty interesting mix and I don't think he's taking that job without the recommendation of the Shanahans who work closely with cousins and know what he's all about, and he feels like he can work with him, so we'll see how that goes.
1: I do think that's gonna be a nice union, but I still cannot wait to see the possibility or the possibility tea's that come from the union of Watson with Hopkins fuller and q t as well yeah. as the tight ends I mean I just I really think health stays cool with everybody
2: yep this
1: we're sitting on a powder keg. Yeah, and I mean, you we really that, are sitting on a powder keg. You
2: mentioned that a bit yesterday, and since I was bringing up the coaching thing, I don't know if we talk enough about Carl Smith. Yeah, uh, Carl Smith has coached in Tater. the league since. Yes, Tater. We all call him Tater now, Mark. I know. I don't want to call him Tater. <laughs> I, you know, Quarterbacks I a, coach. I have a problem. He said he calling... got that
0: nickname in in community college.
2: You're kidding.
0: Yeah, he said that someone uh, he was throwing. He used he used to be a quarterback, uh-huh. and, the, and a coach said that he threw it just that threw it just like a tater mm-hmm. or something in reference to how he was throwing it. And then he said it three times. and He said your name is your nickname is now Tater.
2: Did, did you uncover the bit of information that uh, – I don't want to let that oh, out just Oh, you don't want to reveal wait, that. Wait. Yeah, that's, this is pretty big stuff. I'm going to wait. I'm sitting on Carl this. Carl Smith is a pioneer in some respects. Yes, he is. In the NFL. Well, think about
1: it. He coached in I, the USFL. I don't like USFL. that you brought it up,
0: and now we're he not going to bring it up. He
1: coached <laughs> in the USFL.
2: Bring it up, Drew. Spill the beans nope. a little bit. A let's, let's hold, That's it. Just let's hold the it. it. It's a certain quarterback procedure we during don't a hurry-up offense. Da, 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 da. Let's you.
1: wait, all right? Let's not why waste you, it in June. Okay? Why would let's... you tell
0: Mark a secret that you didn't want anyone
2: yeah. to know? <laughs> don't you, you know, I, I you're don't you know Mark yeah. Vandermeer? Let's just hold off on him. I want to okay. do a show on that. Anyway, we talked to Carl shortly after he got here, Johnny and I. We're going to re-air that during the Fourth of July week because it was so good. It was, it's so great, and I could spend hours talking with him, especially about the Philadelphia Stars and the Boston Breakers. And by the way, <laughs> he remembers the game—a game I saw in Boston with the Stars losing to the Breakers in the last play of the game, a deflected touchdown catch. Does anybody care about this? No, <laughs> but I do. Well, I like but the I reason. Do.
1: I like the reason he chose to come be the quarterbacks coach here. Because he, his favorite color is navy blue, and so he likes the Texans. <laughs> is that what he color said? scheme? Didn't he say that or something? Navy. I don't know. I if you, I don't know if Did you kept he say that navy? in. I'm like, uh, we don't call it navy. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's deep steel. He called it navy blue. Yeah. Not navy, but just him saying that with a straight face made me like him even more. I,
0: I like the fact that uh, when they when he was asked when the media had a chance to talk to him for the first time about meeting Deshaun Watson, what that was like. Mm. He he recalled meeting him at the combine when he was still on the Seahawks staff. And he said that he was so impressed with the fact that uh, Deshaun came out to the station, to the train station, to talk to teams, which I was asking him a little bit about this afterwards off the record. I, I said, okay, explain this to me because we're not with the coaches. Uh, right. You know how that works. How do they decide who goes, you know, meets with the coaches in the hotels. And, and he said that really just, it's just the top guys. they, you know, every team can interview only so many players. Right. They get interviewed in the hotel room, and Deshaun obviously gets a lot of those. So a lot of those guys choose not to go to the train station just to talk to everyone else, but Deshaun was one of those players that did. At Indy. In Indy, right. Yeah, so he said, little
2: depot building.
0: Yeah, so he said that that, t- to him, said a lot, the fact that Deshaun was out there talking to all the other teams when he had a list of interviews yeah. that he had to conduct inside as well.
2: Smart kid, because... Look what happened. Somebody traded up to get them, the Houston Texans. Yeah. So they anybody could have theoretically done that, but the Texans did. So. Hey,
1: I want to go back, though, to your guy Tater Smith, and I yeah. want to want to focus on this. Okay, I brought up the USFL. So when was that around, 83, 84, 85? Yep. There are not many coaches still in the NFL that were coaching professional football back then. Okay, it's like Period. a handful. Yeah. And that says, I think, two things. One, you know a lot. You have great experience. And you are a really good coach. But, two, maybe just as important, you're able to adapt. Yeah. I mean, you're able to change with the times, innovate with the times, improve with the times. Because a lot of people from then can probably still coach, but they can't coach in today's NFL or can't get their message across or get their points across effectively like this guy. So I think that's very, very important. It's somebody that. Even though he might have more years, mm-hmm. he's able to change and innovate and do things. Like Romeo Cornell. I mean, I Romeo's, been around, Romeo's been around as long, if not longer, than Carl Smith. Yeah. They coached against each other a lot of times. Carl Smith was with the, the Saints way back when, late 80s, early 90s. You've got to believe and you've got to know New York Giants played them in the NFC a few times in the regular season. So I think that's very, very important, those two things about his experience. The stuff he knows and the way he's been able to adapt.
0: And I think he's seen it all, just from his yeah. demeanor. And the, what I'd read about him even before he arrived here was that he's just so calm, even when quarterbacks make mistakes, the way he approaches the game. He's just very even keel. There's something very you know, calming about that for quarterbacks who are under a lot of pressure, as it is. And I know he got asked about Deshaun Watson and the sacks and how do you prevent that. And he said, well, he hasn't been sacked yet. It was OTAs. It was
2: OTAs, and also
0: we—he hasn't lost a game yet.
2: Do the defensive guys last longer than the offensive guys? I want to see a study on this because Wade Phillips is still in the Mm -hmm. league, and Dick LeBeau just left, and things like that. And. Uh, maybe those guys, it goes back to the old thing defense, you're trying to destroy something, offense, you're trying to build something. Sure. So I think that part of it is interesting. And when you said stuff he knows, I thought you were talking about a potential decongestant issue, but it's stuff he knows. Got it. Stuff he oh, knows. He knows. Yeah, yeah, you said it so fast. The I was thing, like, me or the Drew? Data, the information. Me? No, we know. He's talking about Carl yeah. Smith. I said, does he need stuff a Stuff he knows. Yeah, mm-hmm. or Romeo. I, yeah, there we go. <laughs>
1: but think about it. You've been able to, to adapt and survive. I mean, that's – that's in its in itself, that's pretty amazing. But never mind all that, the grind,
2: the yeah. hours. Here we are, and most of the coaches now take this long – for them it's about a four-week break, four- or five-week break where they go wherever they go. They mm-hmm. go where they can completely unwind and just unplug. And, you know, obviously they're going to check their email and everything and be available for communication. But this is the time – I mean, O'Brien once joked with me about – when I said coaches don't get enough sleep, maybe, or I threw that question or comment out there to him, he said, "Yeah, you get your sleep in the off season. You sleep in the off season." I'm thinking, I don't know if it works that way, but this is a time where they can get some rest, get some sleep, because it's about to go down. Yeah, July well, they, 25th. They, they're
0: still in the building. I think they're going to stick around until the rookies leave. Yeah, as well. But to your point about older defensive coordinators and younger on the offense, I think a lot of that people wanted to see creativity and new and fresh ideas, but there's guys like Carl Smith that are able to adapt with the game like, as well. Yeah, because he's creative, I, that's why he's that's able to That's why him. he's been able to that, I think that's, it's stick around, That's yeah. where
2: I was going with that Yeah, I think got Well,
0: <laughs> I think it's just a matter of fact, if you're innovative and you're creative. Defense.
2: I know. <laughs> he's I couldn't, help maybe, couldn't help it. Maybe
0: Mark needs extra sleep in the off season.
2: I'm thinking, but I'm, th- I'm going back and I'm thinking about offensive coordinators or offensive types who have lasted forever in this league. You know, guys like Sid Gilman back in the day. There aren't... I think there are more defensive guys who have been able to coach that long than offensive coaches, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: Maybe offensive coaches become head coaches, and then Mm -hmm. their career either goes left or right.
2: I mean, Belichick is a defensive guy at heart, but he can do anything. You know, Parcells can do anything. Now, he didn't – obviously, he's been done for a long time now, but I'm just thinking about coaches who have that kind of versatility, but maybe have started on the defensive side.
0: All right, right now on HoustonTexans.com, we've got the Texans' top 100 yes. that we unveil every week. I'm so excited about this because I know this was really just um, a labor of love, yeah. every to to plan this entire thing out. Top 100 yeah. moments to rank them, and then to have a schedule. And really, our our video team, our uh, Drew, Mark, you got Johnny. Everybody puts forth the effort uh, to put out a, a really cool moment in Texans history, and this week, no exception. I think today's number 83. Deshaun Watson giving his game check to the three cafeteria workers just a few years ago. We were obviously all here yeah. for that. And then yesterday's, which most people probably don't know about, in 2007.
2: Mm-hmm. And Mark, you recalled this story? Yeah, and I, I talked about it a bit last night with the Mon Green and Jason Simmons. And, Exchanging and those the number. And, yeah, the down payment of a house for a single woman, 37, with an autistic child. A tremendous story. So it's organizational moments, not just on-field moments. And I like that today is is, is Deshaun's. And maybe you could argue that that should be ranked higher, uh, giving up the game check as a rookie to the cafeteria workers after Harvey. That's the beauty
1: of this list. I mean, yeah. you can make really valid arguments for stuff up and down the list that yep. the stuff that's ranked this high should be a little lower and vice versa. The stuff really at the bottom should be ranked a lot higher. That's what's fun about this. I haven't heard too many squawking or balking at what we've put up so far, but I love it. I mean – just the person, you were you were here in the building when that went down with the jersey exchange. You remember that yeah. pretty, vi- pretty vividly. Uh, Big story.
2: Huge story. You yeah. know what story we didn't put up there? David Carr getting a haircut the first time mm-hmm. that the Texans won back to back. They had never won back to back, and at, at, at some point they were going to, and Carr's hair was growing, and he said, it's I'll get a 04. haircut. 04, I'll get a haircut when they win back-to-back. There was actually, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going here, a media gathering for this. And he ends up getting a tiny little trim because <laughs> Melody didn't want him to get his haircut. I feel like putting that You're one up cheated. There, just to tweet it at Melody and David because <laughs> we've gone back and forth on Twitter a few times, especially when Derek was breaking into the league. Uh, the Carr family, they're fun.
0: All right, a cool okay. moment for you on or off the field, Drew? <sighs>
1: It's like a zillion. I mean, anything in particular? What was uh, what was yours? I'll
0: give you mine. I, okay, so I think this is on the list. Deshaun Watson's first start at Cincinnati. Yeah. The Thursday night game, short week. Everyone was super nervous for him. I remember being on the bus, uh, the early bus, and he gets on the bus too. And usually the players are on a separate bus, but for some reason he was on the early bus, had to get to the stadium early. He was wearing a tuxedo with the bow tie, mm-hmm. and he sat in the front seat. Actually, he walked towards the back, and someone said, Deshaun, we have a seat for you up at the front of the bus because the bus was pretty full. He sat down on the front, and I just remember that entire ride to the Cincinnati Stadium, just feeling so nervous for him. And he yeah, was just
1: because he didn't have any tight ends. He had no he was tight rookie, ends. He just, just got our, a short
0: week. We just
1: got stomped three days before. Tom Savage got sacked like yeah. a million
0: times. I was really worried that this was his first start, and he was just bobbing his head to the music, just totally calm. Came out with a win.
1: Well, higher up on the list is the day and the the night that. Watt got drafted, Deshaun uh, Watson got drafted, and in 10, 11, 12, and 13, I was at the airport the morning after when the first round picks come to town. So it was always kind of interesting because I'd have this big bag with me and a microphone in one hand, and so J.J. Watt comes out of the secure area at the airport, and he's got a Texans cap on, and I kind of put my hand up and I say, hey, J.J., welcome to Houston. My name's Drew Doherty with the Houston Texans. Can you please put this microphone on? We're going to uh, record everything about your first day. And they're like, uh, they're still kind of in that 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 honeymoon phase where yeah. they've just been picked and they're excited. <laughs> haven't anything. slept much. Yeah, and so I saw his first day and Kareem Jackson's first yeah, you day. you did. That's pretty DeAndre cool. Hopkins' those first are day some Whitney cool moments. Mercer's. You ride in the limo with them, you see their first look at the city and the first look at the stadium and the first interactions with you know, the head coach and, and the GM. It was always really interesting to see those guys and, and how they went about things. And I've told this story many times, but J.J. Watt drafted during the lockout. Yeah. So players hadn't been in the building for like a month. Well, the day after the, the first round of the draft, they, they lifted the lockout just for that day so that all the first rounders could do their press conferences. So JJ Watt comes in the building, meets uh, meets Wade Phillips up in the offices basically outside mm. where our offices are right now. and Wade comes out and they exchange pleasantries and Wade's like, well, eh, you want to go downstairs have a sandwich?" And JJ to his credit said no. I'd actually like to check the playbook out since I don't have much time and I know I gotta leave soon. Is that possible? And they said, "Sure." And they walked right into that meeting room, right across from our offices. Went over the playbook. A sandwich or two was brought up for JJ and, and yeah. everybody. But it was, you know, it was a real glimpse of and, and a real foreshadowing of what we were to see from him later. I like that memory. Yeah, it was pretty cool. All
0: right, now we're gonna take a break. When we come back, Mark. I want to hear from you. Your favorite moment. And then we got a lot of interviews to get to: Bradley Roby, Stephen Mitchell. That's all coming up. Texans All Access. One final segment. Welcome back Texans All Access one final segment. Before the break we were talking about Texans top 100 moments. That's on HoustonTexans.com right now. We're counting those down throughout the summer leading up to week 1, game 1 at New Orleans. So I think that that means the series ends on Monday night. Yeah. Monday during the day before the Monday night game against yeah. New Orleans.
2: And that'll be the day I was hired. Just kidding. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) It's my number one moment. Your
0: yeah, hire is that your favorite moment? I started
2: I started my first Texans event was February eighteenth, two thousand two, the expansion draft. That was a great memory. So when you're talking about personal moments and my one hundred or whatever, or what what's in my top it's very difficult other than just relaying what's on field. You know, I have some of my favorite games. I should do a thing on my favorite, personal favorite games. But I can tell you this. As far as the biggest games, and I get asked this a lot, do I ever get nervous? The games I've been nervous about on the air, going into the game, one the top two. I mean, I, maybe the opener is probably a little nervous for that, but in a good way. I love being nervous. I think it's a great thing. People should welcome being nervous. It means something exciting is about to happen. I
1: think you're to a sociopath you. if you don't get nervous in big moments. I think you are totally nervous, nervous well, is good. Oh, right. When
2: I'm nervous, I'm like, oh yes, I'm nervous. That means it's, it's exciting. Part of your brain that doesn't work. It's great. I'm not like walking the plank here. This is fun. So anyway, uh, the opener. The first playoff game here mm. at home, I ha- I wanted to get that right in the. I mean, I want to get everything right, but I, that was a real pressure cooker there. And Monday Night Football this year, after Mister McNair passed, I was I was actually really kind of because I was it was moving. I was nervous. I wanted to get it right. There were so many reasons why I wanted to get it right. And then and you
0: have a huge play. I have that's a
2: huge play, and I was so happy. And it after was perfect. It was moment. perfect. Yeah, the Lamar was Miller run. It was fun. That was... one's for you, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was fun. I was glad. In the moment, heartfelt. I was so happy to be able to be on the mic for that and and to get that right. When you, as an announcer, when you do that, you're like, okay, that was that was great. That was fun. And you know, it really was. It was sad. It was bittersweet because of bob's passing but it was great to have that moment what can i say
0: it was a great moment all around uh looking forward to more of those from you mark maybe maybe next year we'll have mark be number one yeah Uh, (laughs) the
2: revised the revised version Mark gets to call the Super Bowl <laughs> our top moment. Wait a minute. It, oh, that would
0: be lovely. That yeah, would be see. so nice. It's like the so,
1: Blockbuster's employee's choice. Remember that section in Blockbuster <laughs> oh, where yeah, yes. like the, <laughs> the like the row of about 15 videos? Staff <laughs> recommendation. My favorites. <laughs> the Wizard. Yeah, it's like
0: Savage. wait a minute. What are you doing? I was Coonies. like, why well, Yeah, you just follow <laughs> <that's> random <Coonies. laughs> All right, one guy that does have a Super Bowl experience, Bradley Roby. Drew, you had a chance to sit down with him. Here is your interview with Bradley Roby, one-on-one.
1: Okay, complete this sentence. The Texans' secondary is? About to be the best. How come? Because we're here. Besides being here, what else gives you that confidence?
2: We've got a lot of ballers in secondary. We've got a great defense, great pass rushers. You know, secondary needs a great pass rush. So, they get after that quarterback, we make plays. But you have to have the expectation first.
1: You don't expect to be, then you're never gonna be, so that's why I say that. Confidence is important too though, right? It's everything. Where do you get your confidence? Hard work, dedication, God, past, the present, future, all that. Let's talk about some of that hard work because we've seen a little bit of the videos, you working out with Hopkins and Foreman and those guys. What have you learned from them and what's that been like for you since you've gotten here? Did